He said a quote that landed with me. He said, the more ordinary the industry, the more extraordinary the opportunity to market. You know, the more common the noise, it's easier to break out of it. So that's what we need to do. Just look at what the common noise is, the boring, and bust through that. The other caveat is I'm not saying you have to be outrageous or weird. Like you don't have to wear a Bozo the Clown costume. And there's actually a sign behind me that says, be you always. That's the ultimate marketing lesson is marketing should be an amplification of your natural self. It shouldn't be inconsistent with it because if it is, it's a mistruth. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today I've got Mike Michalowicz. He's back again. And he wrote a new book called Get Different Marketing That Can't Be Ignored. Mike, I got to say, so to everybody that is listening, if for some reason you don't know Mike, you got to get to know Mike. You got to go, <laughs> go to Amazon because he wrote, he's written a few really, really great books, the most popular of which is Profit First. And you don't know, we talk a, a lot about profit, profit, because why are you going to be in business in the first place? And your book comes up so often. We've gifted it to clients before. It's Thank just, you. You know what I realized when I read Get Different, which is what we're going to talk about today is the marketing book, but you take very complex topics. Marketing is a complex topic. Getting mm -hmm. yourself out of the way in your business, which you wrote about in your book, Clockwork, mm -hmm. another great book. And in this one, you tackle marketing yeah. and you take these difficult concepts and you break them down and you simplify them so that, you know, people like me can understand them. People that, that aren't always good with complex things. So you have tackled profit. You have tackled managing your business with processes and systems. Now you're tackling marketing. Why marketing? Why did you write a book uh, about marketing? Yeah. So the, the reason I tackled marketing is it was becoming, and it had become the most common inquiries getting from uh, readers of my past books. And like you, Brian, I, I really struggle with the complex. So when something's complex, I get overwhelmed. I feel a headache coming on and uh, I, I feel committed to figuring out a way to make it simple so I can do it. Well, I was getting these inquiries about how do, how do I market effectively? And I'm like, I thought it'd be so obvious, just marketing. I started to do research about marketing that works. And same thing, I started, the headache started coming on. I was getting overwhelmed. I'm like, let's get to the core principles. What I find is if we, uh, the entrepreneur, understands behavioral psychology, that what motivates us, our internal behaviors, inevitably we can channel those things very effectively. And when it came to marketing, I realized it was also the behavior of our prospect that the reason most marketing doesn't succeed isn't because the marketing isn't out there. In fact, there's more marketing circulating around now than there ever has been. Yeah, It's that the consumer has a habit as a protection mechanism to avoid the innocuous, to ignore the irrelevant. And so when we see recurring patterns that we've determined in the past to be irrelevant, a logo, a marketing message, another, Hey friend email, 
when we see those, our mind goes up oh, irrelevant and we, we delete it or we ignore it or we put it in the spam box. I was like, well, how do we get inside the mind? And it was like, oh, the consistent thing, the human mind is, is wired when something different presents itself, we must analyze it. It's a survival mechanism. And like, okay. And that started to work. And, and I look back on my life, I'm like, oh, every time my marketing did work, it was because it was different. And when it didn't, it was because it was the same as everyone else's. It was ignorable. And that, that became the premise of the book. And, and the reason, again, is because so many small businesses exist that have great products and great services, and they can't get noticed. And that was the question I got, is how do I get noticed? And that's yeah. why I wrote the book. Yeah. I know in, in, in our space, the home improvement space, yeah, there are some new dynamics. I'm going to be talking about these at our, our upcoming event, but there are a couple of dynamics that have come into our space. And both of those, in order to solve both of those problems or challenges, I should say, owners will need to get very, very good at standing out mm -hmm. and being different in the marketplace. Because, you know, when you look at advertising that's being done by a lot of people, a lot of it is me too advertising. They oh copy, my God, which is the least effective. Which is the least effective, right? Yeah. They copy what their competitors are doing or right. maybe worse than that is they're just lazy and they let the advertising media put the ad together for them. And so they end up with a big logo and they end up with no offer and they end up with an ad that just looks like everybody else's. And so what you write about it here is so like, so relevant, especially today. And so when you talk about being different, can you give us examples? And I know, and by the way, everybody that's listening, if I had more time with, with Mike, I was going to give him a, a little bit of crap from one author to another. But <laughs> I opened the book. And of course, in true Mike McCallowitz fashion, yeah. it starts off with, can I, can I just read what it starts off with? Yeah, sure. Sorry. No, I, I love I just it. have to. I just have to. I because love it. You're a different kind of guy. <laughs> okay, here. This is how everybody, this is how the book starts. And he had me at, you know, the first sentence. I did inhale. <laughs> Yannick Silver blew a cloud of pot smoke right into my face. I had only one option, breathe it in. And then it goes on and on. Yannick Silver, by the way, is one of the smartest marketers. Wickedly smart. Right? Around. Yeah. So the reason I read that is because what this guy does brilliantly, which I don't do, which I, right when I read that, I'm like, oh, that's why this guy is a best-selling author. And I'm kind of a selling author, <laughs> is that you tell really great, really great stories. Oh, thank you. To the yeah. reader, this book is filled with really great stories. And you have a really great way of making a point by telling a story. Mm -hmm. And so didn't want to cut you off, but what are some examples of being different? Oh, sure. You're just going to say something too, I think about. Well, I, I was going to say, I think storytelling is a necessary art. It's the ultimate form of human, human communication. When we share stories, it sticks. So stories stick. Yep. Ideas don't stick. They're, they're, they're intellectual and they're effective, but it needs to be complemented by a story. So never share an idea without it matching to a sticky story. Here's some different strategies. I can't remember if I included in the book or not, but I'll go through a few. Like 
I noticed the starting point is always when a business isn't marketing is to look at what the common marketing is for that industry. So in our little town here, I'm in New Jersey, Boonton, New Jersey, a little main street here. And there is uh, literally three fitness studios that are adjacent to each other, all within a block and a half. Two of them actually share a common wall. And the common marketing approach is the before and after pictures. Schlubby customer becomes this you know, jacked up customer. And you see over and over all in their windows. And I noticed myself and anyone walking by ignores it because we've seen the before and afters everywhere. Whatever's common, our mind becomes habituated, meaning the process of ignoring because ignoring it's not relevant. So I went to these gyms. I said, I got an idea for you to be different. I, I'll help you out. Every single one rejected me. And, and there's a little lesson in this. Yeah. is uh, there is a devil on our shoulder that says, you know, if you stand out, you'll be ridiculed. You'll be, in a sh- you know, there'll be shame put upon you. You'll be laughed at. The reality is that that was true when we were cave dwellers. If, if I rejected the tribe's desire, I was ridiculed and rejected. But in modern society, it's actually the reverse. Standing out is the way you find your tribe in your yeah. community. You have to do it. So we, we kind of know that, but but that, that cave dweller mind's still there. And so there's this dueling battle. And most of us step down from the responsibility to market ourselves. And it is a responsibility. If we're better than the competition, we are responsible to market. Well, I found this one gym who got it and they said, yeah, we want to get noticed. We have good stuff. We can serve our community. We changed from the before and after to funhouse mirrors. One strategy is look outside your industry and see what is working for other people and be the first to introduce it to your industry. So carnivals have fun houses and people, you know, me to include it, take pictures of myself when I look like ET or something. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. In the window, we took one mirror that made you look like really squat and kind of stretched out and schlubby, and another one that made you look like really ripped and tall. And on the schlubby one, we put the words before in letters above it, and and the other one we put after on it. And so now when people are walking by, they saw mirrors, and they're like, oh my God, look at this, there's me before and after, and they start putting on social media. Brilliant. Next to it, we put a little sign. It said, we just transformed you in these mirrors. Now let's transform you in real life. Walk inside. And their foot traffic more than doubled. So that's an example is whatever the industry is doing is one thing we shouldn't do. Common, yeah. ignorable noise. Bring in something that's different. I got more examples, but that was just one. And that, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. But it's a, in a, it's a great example. My marketing mentor is a guy named Dan Kennedy, and and Dan always taught us the the number one sin of marketing is to be boring. Yeah, yeah. And so there you go. Your before and after pictures that everybody does is boring. It's so Correct. boring. Everybody just walks by it. But but your thing was really interesting. No wonder it worked. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com 
and request a personalized demo with an expert today. There was a uh, an interview I saw of Stephen uh, Robert Stevens. He's the founder of Geek Squad. He said something that was mind mind blowing. Now remember, computer guys are everywhere. I actually had a computer business for a decade, and everyone dressed the same. I wore my same scarecrow suit. It was you know shoulder pads too big type of thing. I looked like an idiot, but so did everyone else. And then they wore flood pants and an arrow thing and those glasses with tape in the middle. They they dressed like geeks, and they laughed up the industry because they were willing to be different. He said a quote that landed with me. He said, the more ordinary the industry, the more extraordinary the opportunity to market. You know, the more common the noise, it's easier to break out of it. So that's what we need to do. Just look at what the common noise is, the boring, and bust through that. The other caveat is I'm not saying you have to be outrageous or weird. Like you don't have to wear a Bozo the Clown costume. And there's actually a sign behind me that says, be you always. It, that's the ultimate marketing lesson is marketing should be an amplification of your natural self. It shouldn't be inconsistent with it because if it is, it's a mistruth. And the, the only experience people have with your business until they do business with you is the marketing. And if they see you one way in marketing, Bozo the Clown, they show up and you're, you're super professional. You're the most logical Spock on the planet. There's an incongruency here. And there's, there's where mistrust is built. If you're a Spock inside, be a Spock on the outside. Yeah, really good point. So in the book, we got a... I know we're, we're, I'm looking at the clock here. Time's We've got to talk about the framework, yeah. the dad framework that you lay out in the book. Can you talk a little bit about that? For sure. It, it, yeah. So dad is an acronym and I've heard every joke as a result. It's a, a checklist. It's the three elements that your marketing must have for it to be effective. And if you miss even one element, it is crippled for sure. The first D stands for differentiate. And that's what we've been talking about is yeah. break out the common noise it gets through, there's a thing called the reticular formation. It is the gatekeeper to the mind. And it's literally, literally and, and figuratively a neural network that blocks inputs into the mind. The mind's primary function is to ignore. 99% of the stimuli that's out there, we don't see. Like right now on your desk, I, I got a, a marker here. I'm not looking at it, not paying attention, but it could draw my attention. And if I did pay all my attention to that, my survival's at risk because now I'm paying hours of attention to a stupid marker and I'm not feeding myself or whatever. So the reticular formation blocks, but allows three things through. Threats, so we can defend ourselves. Opportunities, so we can prove ourselves. And different, because different needs to be qualified. When something unexpected presents itself, and you walk down the street and you do that double take, like, what was that? That is your reticular formation saying, don't recognize this. It doesn't compute. Don't ignore it. Evaluate it. So first, be different. Differentiate. The second part, though, is it must be, A, attractive. Attractive means it needs to speak to the interest or desire of your target audience. You do that double take and you see it's something that's totally irrelevant, you just start walking on again. But if you do that double take and say, oh my gosh, that speaks to me, now you have engagement. So know the pain of your audience, know their desires, know how to entertain or educate. Storytelling is part of marketing. It's a way to entertain people. Now, entertainment doesn't necessarily mean fun. It just means that there's a compelling reason to stay. One of the most, to me, attractive ads or marketing pieces I saw was for seatbelts. And, uh, you know, it wasn't this click it or ticket type of thing, even though it got that message across. What it was, was a young man, a young woman and uh, their child, and they're in a living room and you see this guy engaged in a television show and you see his wife and daughter behind him and he's smiling ear to ear. And all of a sudden his face goes from a smile to total concern and dread. And as he does that, his wife wraps her arms over his shoulder and his waist in an angle and locks her fingers. His daughter leaps up and wraps her fingers. It's all in slow motion 
around his waist. And then you see this impact moment in slow motion and shards of glass and also flying. And the commercial ends and says, seatbelts don't just save lives, it saves families. I was like, my gosh. Wow, that's good. It was different. I've never seen a commercial like that. It was attractive, meaning it had me engage a compelling story and it had a direct. That's the final D. What do you want the consumer to do or the prospect with this marketing? You know, that that is click your seatbelt. In what many websites, I see this ambiguous thing where it just says learn more. I go to someone's website and it says learn more. The whole reason I went to the website was to learn more. I'm going in this ambiguous circle. It's like if you're looking to buy a new car, could you imagine the salesperson says, Oh, that's great. You're looking for a new car. I wish you luck. Check out our lot. Check out all the lots throughout the county. There's tons of lots. See ya. You make help me. Now you can go too far too. A direct has to be safe and reasonable. So you don't that car salesperson doesn't say, hey, give me a hundred thousand dollar deposit and we'll find your dream car. No, it has to be safe and reasonable. What they would ask is, would you be willing to give me your cell number and I'll text you pictures from our lot and our other lots? We're going to hone in on your car. That's a safe transaction. We must have a direct. Tell the prospect, now that they're engaged in marketing, what to do next. Make sure it's safe for them. That's not absurd, but also make sure it's specific in that they know what to do and they're not left in ambiguity. That's the dad checklist. Yeah, and it's great. Stand out, pull them in, and then tell them what you want them to do. It's that simple. And you know, it's sad that we herald these, uh, you know, football season's happening right now. The Super Bowl's coming around. They're going to talk about the commercials. And uh, everyone's like, oh, this is the definition of good marketing. It isn't. Now, understand Budweiser has a $1.6 billion marketing budget, Anheuser-Busch. And what they're looking for is called brand awareness. They're not marketing in the traditional sense where we're looking to get transactions. They just want, you see a commercial ever since the day you're born, on your 21st birthday, you walk into a bar and you're like, give me a bud. That's what they're trying to do. And they have $1.6 billion to do it. My business, perhaps everyone else's business, we don't have that kind of budget, not even close. I'll tell you this though, Budweiser, it is new and different every year. It's new commercials. So we, we prepare for it. Curiosity uh, is invoked. They're attractive. You know, you see the Clydesdale snow coming down, Dalmatian runs by who doesn't want to be there. It's a compelling story, but it doesn't have the direct at the end. It's like Budweiser, change your life, drink more. It doesn't say at the end, scan this QR code and give us your email and we'll give you a coupon for a six pack. They will get hundreds of thousands of leads but they don't have the budget. They have the budget where they don't have to do that. I actually consider it still a mistake. They should do it, but don't clone that clone or use the dad model. Every time you must have that direct. I hope everybody heard what you just said, because you know, as well as I do, one of the, the biggest things that, that business owners have to come up with is, or deal with is the people that are coming to sell them advertising, they know they need to do marketing and then people come and they're selling them advertising where they hear about all yeah. their friends are doing advertising, blah, blah, blah. And what they don't do is they don't have a structure like this. They don't have the education that they need to really make a really good informed decision. And so they'll place an ad, they'll spend money. And after two months, they'll say, well, that didn't work. And then now advertising doesn't work. Well, what you just described is the one of the biggest reasons why is that how do we stand out from the marketplace? And then branding is very different than lead. For sure. For sure. And, and marketing plans are very different than marketing experiments. I love a plan once I know what I'm doing actually works. Right. I think we jump into plans, commitments 
that's the definition of a plan is a commitment before we do experiments, which is, means learning. You know, experiment, we expect failure and success. We expect to learn from it. Plans is a commitment. So I hear people say, oh, my marketing plan is three months of Facebook ads, or I'm going to keep doing Facebook ads. But we don't know if it's working from the get-go, and we just right. throw money, spaghetti, at the wall and hope it will stick. And when it doesn't work, well, clearly Facebook doesn't work, but we didn't go in with prudence. In marketing experiments, what we do is we do small tests. Try to reduce your spend as much as possible. Can you do it at no cost? Try to reduce the time and start sampling with a group. When something doesn't work, that is a trigger to either abandon or usually to improve. What adjustments can I make? When something does work, we start amplifying to see if there's greater acceptance in the larger group. In the book, I, I, I was talking with statisticians and probabilitists, I guess are their titles. But what I was learning was that 10% of an objective community, so I, my community is 5,000 prospects. If I take 10%, 500, those 500 will likely be highly representative of how the rest will behave. So try out 500 people. Right. But even that can be too costly. What I found is the lowest number for any sampling should be about 100. So I call it the, the target 100. When you have... 50,000 people you're targeting, at least try the 100 people. The mistake I see small businesses make, and I am so guilty of this, is I used to try, uh, I called it one and done. I would send out a mail campaign or something to one person, and one person responded. I'm like, this is so successful. I'll do it for everybody, and I'd waste money. Conversely, I would try something out, and I get no response for that one person. I'm like, this doesn't work. A data set of one is not a data set. We had to get to 100 or ideally 10% sampling to really know how it's going to work. Yeah. Really good. So again, I'm looking at the clock here. I have you for seven more minutes. What can, <laughs> yeah, we, do? I'm sorry, what can we do in four minutes? What can we talk about in four minutes? Everybody, Where can everybody get the book? Of course, yeah. Amazon. Is there a special place you want them to go? Yeah, you can go to gogetdifferent.com. And uh, the reason I invite people to go there first is absolutely you can get the book. And I love if you get on Amazon. I think dollar for dollar is the best way it can be of service. It's everything I know about marketing selfishly also serves me. When people buy on the Amazon engine, it, the algorithm markets to other people. So it does serve me. But gogetdifferent.com has free resources. I think the one unique free resource I have there is it's now 60 or 70, it's rapidly approaching 100 marketing ideas, like stuff that is different that we've tested out in other markets that you can just take those ideas. It costs nothing to download it. You just get it. Of course, I'll ask for your email. So I have permission to market to you uh, and share with you what else I'm doing. But with those tools, you can start trying experiments right away without even having the book. And there and there, right there was a great marketing lesson, right? So I sell on Amazon too. People that buy at Amazon, I have no idea who they are. That's right. None, zero. So how can I make the, how can I bring them into my world? Well, in my books, I tell people, go here to download resources. Yes, that's exactly it. Right. Yeah. And then, and then we can capture their information. Well, you're doing that by... Go, we'll put it in the show notes too. Go gogetdifferent.com. Get different. So right. yeah, so I would go if, if if I'm the listener, yeah, you can get it from Amazon, but go get it from Mike's site because you want to get on his list because you want to see what he's doing. Yeah, and, and then replicate it. Take, take, exactly. He's a yeah, really It's called R&D. Rip off yeah. and duplicate. Right. Like, But my one piece of warning or my one little piece of advice is whenever you take ideas from others, Ensure you ingratiate them into you naturally to who you are. I've seen people take ideas I have and say, oh my gosh, that I want that. And then it's inconsistent. And they've taken ideas from other places and it becomes this patchwork, a quilt. And, and people are, are start questioning it. There's an inauthenticity there. So definitely study, just like I do, how other people do it. But 
integrate it so it becomes cohesive and consistent with who you are. Yeah, cool. So I have a question for you. And this this might not be about marketing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, when I first picked up the book and that first line that got me and I'm like, I figured this guy out. Now I know why this guy is so successful. Aside from the fact that you you're a hell of a speaker and you thank you. all of that stuff. Thank you. But you tell stories so good. Thank you. How do you craft your stories? So, okay, great question. So one thing I do and I invite everyone to do is speaking is a great platform for learning how to tell a story because you can translate that to a book. It's hard to take to write stories for me at least and then translate to speaking. So all those stories you see inevitably I've tested in speaking. Okay. I think the masters of storytelling are comedians. I yep. study comedians constantly. And it's really easy. Go on Netflix and just type in, you know, comedy show and watch an hour show every single night. And you're going to learn the trick of the trade. What's interesting is they never require PowerPoints or, or any extra media. They just elicit it and they can invoke emotional shifts in us, laughing, crying at times. They can evoke this instant shift through extraordinary storytelling. So that's how I do it. I just tell stories on the stage. Initially, when I come up with a new story that I'm sharing, they usually suck until I find out what's resonating. And you want to bring people through the arc. You want people laughing and crying. You want people relating and and saying, that's exactly me. And you want people saying, that could be me. So you want all those elements in a good story. Oh, that's interesting. So you're out there testing like comedians. I study comedians too. Oh, good. So interesting. So the other night we went to see Angela Johnson. She does that bit about the nail salon. She's the nail salon girl. I don't oh, know if you've yeah, ever heard of it, but yeah, if you look yeah, her yeah. up, it's hysterical. But she was trying out new material and you could tell. Yeah. She was trying crunchy, out new material, right? right? She's recording it. She wants to see what's going to land, what's not going to land, what's going to make it in the hour and what's not going to make it in the hour. So yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, when he's, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's amazing when you see his special. Jerry Seinfeld's like any other comedian when you see his first time delivering stuff. And uh, that's the part of mastery is, is just constantly testing his stuff out. I've been studying Sebastian Maniscalco recently. I love uh, Jim Gaffney. I think he's, he's one of the, the best, but Sebastian Maniscalco uses gesticulation yep. oh, so great. well. So I've been integrating that, those techniques into some of my presentations with good effect. It's not great yet. But it's good. And I'm keeping to use that. So I'm always trying to expand to the style of how to tell stories. So these stories are things that happened in real life, but now you've kind of just developed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes there's little vignettes and they expand on them. The the Yannick Silver story, uh, it was actually a spoof on Bill Clinton. Yep. Bill Clinton. I I knew it right when he said, yep. I did not inhale. So I was playing with that stuff. And I was like, oh, what if the reverse is I did inhale? I'm like, oh my God, there's a story. And that truly happened with Yannick is a true story. I expanded the funny elements. Yep. I, I amplified the relevant stuff. There was tons of irrelevant stuff. And that becomes the story. Really good. Thank you. All right. You, well, I will look at it that way and see what I could do to become a little bit of a better storyteller. Crush it, Brian. You know, people are starving for extraordinary books and it starts with extraordinary marketing. So you got great stuff. You got to get the word out. Yeah. Well, cool. All right, everybody. So we got to let Mike go, but thank you so much for being here. Thanks for writing these great books too. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, you could actually see the book. You can't miss it. It's go get different.com. 
Check it out. We'll put it into the show notes. Mike McCallowitz, I wish you continued success. Oh, what's your next book? The next book is going to be Clockwork Revised and Expanded coming out this summer. I just finished it. It's 50% new stuff. Awesome. Um, and then there's a book after that about culture and ingrating, uh, ingratiating employees with extraordinary experience. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, good. The big topic right now. Huge. Yeah, topic. it totally is. Okay. Bye, brother. I got to roll. Bye. Thank you for this. Thank you. I'll Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Cascavalsia. 